think a lot of people are scared of AI because of the Terminator movies, which are purely science fiction, where there is an out-of-control AI eliminating humanity. But it isn't that in real. Eventually, it's mathematics and AI works and is safe. The world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michael Mack. Hello, I'm Michael Mark. Welcome back to my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotion Years of Tomorrow. Today, my very exciting guest is Professor Dr. Patrick Glauner. Patrick Glauner is a distinguished artificial intelligence expert and a professor at the Institute of Technology in Dickendorf. He was recognized as one of the world's leading data experts. Alongside his academic role, he is the founder and CEO of Skyrocket AI, an AI consulting firm. Glauner has also authored five books, primarily focusing on the digital transformation within healthcare. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining me today, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Let's start with a quick fire round of four questions to get to know you a little bit more. Let's dive right in. Are you ready, Patrick? Yes, I am. One. How do you start normally a day? Well, I get up at 5 a.m. and start working. That's an early bird, so <laughs> you yes. look pretty into that side. Two. What are your interests beside AI? Well, I have my wife and my two kids. Aside from that, not much other interest because I was fortunate to turn my hobby, which is AI, into my job. Three. What is a fun fact most people would not know about your job? Well, um, I, I don't know. Actually, sorry, I don't know. Four. What is one of the things that not many people may know about you? Well, I also have a wife and two kids because a lot of people think I'm working 200 hours per week and probably I work like 80 hours per week, but I'm also happy to spend time with my wife and my kids. To begin the talk, I always like to challenge my guests with a provocative statement question. Will you allow me to provoke you a bit? Please go ahead. How do we ensure that the policy makers shaping the future of AI not only talk about it, but genuinely understand its complexities and implications? Well, it's very important to expose them to the actual topic, help them to understand what a, like AI or other fields are and how it works. So it's not magic, but something concrete and bring them together with various stakeholders, not just, you know, other regulators, but people who actually make money with that and who benefit from AI and other technologies. I think that really helps. And that leads me to my first question. As a professor and expert in AI, you've been consulted by various parliaments. Where do you see the biggest gap between political decision-making and understanding AI technologies? Well, I think a lot of the politicians are driven by fears, and often a lot of these fears are purely theoretical. Obviously, there are also politicians who are very interested in AI and who know how it works, but that's definitely the minority. Most of them, I think they have a lot of opinion, but not much clue of how it actually works. And and that's a problem uh, if you have politicians claiming it's magic or out of control or unsafe. It isn't that. Eventually, it's mathematics and AI works and is safe. So how can you explain, I mean, you being German and being so much more into the topic of AI, 
I mean, where does this term angst, I mean, I was taught by my dad, who is a mechanical engineer, that we do understand everything what is mathematic driven, but yet um, there's a fear out there. So where, where does that fear comes from? What, what, what is your take on that? I think a lot of people are scared of AI because of the Terminator movies, which are purely science fiction, where there is an out of control AI eliminating humanity. But it isn't that in real. I think one thing that adds confusion to a lot of people is that a lot of the decision making by AI is not really explainable. You have models, they make decisions, you can measure how good or how bad, but you cannot explain for a lot of these models why they make that decision. And I think that scares people. However, there's methodology to make certain models more explainable. Some models are explainable inherently, but I think we should not enforce double standards to AI compared to everything else in our life. A lot of things in our life are not really explainable, like development of new pharmaceuticals. You do clinical trials to see how good or how bad they perform, but even the developers cannot in detail explain why it works and how it works. They can just measure how good or how bad it is. And it's the same for a lot of AI. But in medicine, we're not scared about it. In AI, a lot of people are. And I think it's wrong to apply double standards in that case. So no more Terminator movies then? So. <laughs> Uh, the Terminator, you know, it's science fiction. It's an illusion. I like the Terminator movies too, but they really have nothing, um, you know, that makes them real. And, and the Terminator will not happen in the foreseeable future. But, I mean, if I'm looking into that, and obviously we are a little bit deeper in the topic than most of the listeners, um, when you were looking that GDPR was coming out, like the European were going a different way than the rest of the world. So, I mean, we obviously are more precautious to new technology. Do you think that's a good take, what we're doing to limited um, technologies? Or do you think it is a, a stop for development of our beautiful country, Europe? Well, first of all, data protection is important. If you look at other parts in the world where there's little data protection, that's not great. But we in Europe, we tend to overshoot and enforce too much regulation. And the problem with all this recent digital regulation is that's just too complex, barely understandable, contradictory, and so forth. And then sometimes the politicians claim that GDPR was a role model for other countries. It is not. Maybe two or three out of these hundreds of pages are actually useful and they are being copied around the world, but not the whole framework. And GDPR, I think it's, it's a huge problem. It's limiting innovation. It's stifling innovation. GDPR is even killing people in Europe because in healthcare, we are not allowed to aggregate certain data around rare diseases and so forth. So GDPR is killing people. And I don't think that that's so great. Uh, we need data protection, but obviously not too much. We need to be able to have innovation, to foster innovation, and to actually improve our prosperity. If data protection leads to a reduction of living quality and healthcare, that's not great. I mean, obviously, you're a quite um, well-known um, expert in your field, and you've been working and studying in various places. What experiences or insight from these diverse environments have shaped your understanding of AI and the potential impact. Do you see any differences when you travel the world when it comes to AI? 
Well, first of all, let me tell you how I got into AI. When I studied computer science in my undergrad, there was no AI at all in my undergrad. But I was fortunate to be able to go to CERN, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research in Geneva. And that's where I did my bachelor's thesis. And then they hired me to stay on board and I got to work on mainly natural language processing, which is uh, part of AI. And that really helped to shape my view on AI. And over the years, I have seen so many really great AI applications, be it in mechanical engineering, chemistry, healthcare, mechanical engineering. And it really helps us to remain competitive, to increase prosperity, and also um, to increase or improve healthcare. Uh, then around the world, I see, obviously, there's a lot of AI in China and in the U.S., where policymakers, first of all, look at innovation and how to foster it. While we in Europe, we are often driven by fear, and I think that's a huge problem, and it would probably eventually lead that we become totally dependent on Chinese or U.S. companies, be it in mechanical engineering and chemistry and so forth. And that's something we should not accept, and we have to put innovation and opportunities first, as other parts of the world do, and maybe risks and fears second. Are there any companies you know of that are leaving the European Union because they are afraid that they're going to be at the end one day, or do they still stay in Europe? Well, it's not just AI, it's obviously other fields too, but you look at BASF, which is, you know, uh, closing certain departments in Germany and uh, starting them in the US or China. But I also see this uh, with other companies like BMW, which has moved some of its high-end AI to China. And I think it's a big problem if you have companies like BMW, which is a German company, and they have their maybe most innovative R&D in China and not in Germany anymore. But I also see this for small and mid-sized enterprises which are moving AI outside Europe or outside the European Union. And outside the European Union, you, for example, find London. And I think the UK, uh, when it comes to AI, is finally benefiting a little bit of Brexit because uh, London is the European capital around AI, and uh, they don't need to enforce the AI Act, which is the AI regulation that the European Union is working on so hard. And I think that's a problem for the European Union. Well, at least it's not so far away from Europe, but um, still going back to the um, discussion about the ethical implications of AI, in your opinion, have we already had a decade debate on this or... Are there any important aspects which have been left out in the debate about AI? Are we already over-debating it? And do we have the quality of the people in politics to debate it, actually? Well, the whole ethics and AI thing is something that is also very hard to cross for me. Um, because obviously we have automated decision-making systems, and that's what AI is all about, automating human decision-making. And obviously there are certain things we want an AI to decide, like a spam filter, for example, what is spam and what is not. And there are other things we don't want the AI to ultimately decide, like whether we get treated for cancer or not. 
there an AI would be sort of supportive. And I think all of that is quite obvious to me. And this research field around AI ethics, I think it exaggerates a lot of these fears and probably is coming up with a lot of problems that don't really exist in its maturity. But the politicians seem to fall for it. And I think a lot of politicians, as well as a lot of media, they like negative news because negative news and fears they spread more than positive news. And I think uh, that's the root cause uh, of all of that. So when you look into the ethical debate, which is going on about AI, is there none being debated in America? Is there non-debate about ethical um, fears in China? How are they dealing with the situation? Well, it's obviously being debated probably in the US more than in China. But if I look at China, AI is first of all seen as a huge opportunity. The average prosperity per citizen in the, in China is far less than in Central Europe. And I feel there, first of all, AI and further automation is seen as a huge opportunity, not just to increase prosperity, but also to Uh, combat or to address uh, demographic change with an aging and shrinking society. And I feel in China, the government and society, first of all, has a lot of other issues to look at. And once they are solved, maybe they can begin to look at new ones like ethics and AI. But right now, it's really much of a non-issue because there are much other things to address first. How about the US? Uh, do you have any insights to the US? Well, what I see in the U.S., AI is a big topic, also in particular in Silicon Valley, but in other countries as well. Ethics and AI, um, I think, has probably come up more in the last few years, but I think it's still less of, of a topic than in, 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 in Europe. And in your field of expertise, where do you think do we stand um Uh, right now, I mean, obviously, ChatGPT. Um, even my dad is now talking about AI, who never had heard literally anything about it. Um, from a uh, professional point of view, where do we stand implementing AI into companies? Um, are we on the halfway? Are we through yet? Are we at the beginning? How do you see the development and the implementation of AI in our daily life? Well, we all of us use AI dozens or hundreds of times a day. If you just look at, for example, spam filters, voice recognition, there's so much AI also in our smartphones to improve photos and so forth that we use every day. A lot of people just use that and didn't, you know, notice that it's AI. Now with ChatGPT, the whole topic of AI has become more popular. Um, and ChatGPT is something you can also easily use at your workplace. Obviously, some companies are more successful in adopting AI, while others struggle more. Uh, one thing is very important to bear in mind, AI is not a silver bullet. AI will not solve magically all your problems. AI is, our, is an opportunity for certain problems, maybe problems that are very costly, that take a long time to decide by experts, where you maybe have very non-uniform decision-making, that's where AI can help. But it's not a silver bullet. And you still need data, you need to cleanse the data, um, and you need to have the right expectations when you use AI in your company. If you have the wrong expectations, probably it will not work. 
Some experts claim that education and skills in the AI field cannot keep pace with the rapid development. And again, we're talking, I think, of German angst there. Um, how could the education system be improved in this regard? Do you think we educate the people correctly to understand what uh, what is coming there in the future? Well, there are many different programs that address AI. For example, there are classic computer science program, bachelor's, master's program in AI that are meant to train AI experts. But I think we need to add AI to every degree program at university. We need to add it to schools. We need to add it to apprenticeships because it's the next step of the industrial revolution. So we need to make sure everyone gets an understanding of what it is and that they are able to take advantage of AI. But there are also many other people that are left out of these new programs because they're, for example, seniors or other people. They also need to get an understanding of what AI is, maybe to address fears or to help them to take advantage of AI in their daily life. I've been participating in, a, in numerous initiatives Uh, to educate larger parts of society. Um, for example, we created a concept that we called a science bench. We put a bench in the city center of Degendorf and we just talked to people who passed by and offered them the opportunity to talk about AI. Uh, there were young people, there were seniors, many other people, and it just helped the average citizen to talk about AI, to address uh, problems, to ask questions, and we helped them. So where would you, I mean, you obviously been educated around the world. What advice would you give uh, young kids listening to us if they want to dive deep in uh, AI, leave Europe as fast as you can? Or um, where would you send them to study and what is the best of the best at the moment to learn the, well, the technology behind AI? Well, I think we have very good degree programs in Europe, for example, in the UK, but also in Germany. Also at my university, we have very good programs. I'm not too negative when it comes to Europe. I don't like all this negative talk about Europe. What we struggle in Europe is technology transfer, venture capital, implementing this and taking advantage of it from a business perspective. But in research and in education, we actually have very good stuff in Europe. But no matter in which step of your career you are, take a look at AI. And you don't need to wait until university to learn AI. There are all these free programs online uh, through these MOOC platforms like Coursera, Udacity. And you can, you know, get an AI education for free. And, and that's something you should take advantage of. And you should remember, not just you can get that for free, but everyone else around the world. And this, I think, will lead to increased pressure on salaries in Europe if everyone can get that education and not just you in Central Europe, like it was the case 20 years ago. So coming back to the topic of AI and um, the fear of voice manipulation, I mean, there are a lot of things going on out there, especially in social media. Even the voice actor uh, profession is divided on this issue, while on site sees it as a catalyst, bringing a well-known German fantasy character, Pumuckl, back to life. The other half is against it, viewing it as a threat to the industry. What is your opinion about voice manipulation? Well, if you use uh, voice manipulation for fraud, that's obviously a crime and it needs to be 
punished as such, but that's already covered by existing laws. And whatever new technology you introduce, there will be someone misusing it to someone's disadvantage. So that's not a unique problem of AI. Even with a spoon, you could, you know, hurt someone or use it to someone's disadvantage. But if you mentioned Pumukul or, you know, education, individualizing, training, learning languages, I think all of that is a huge opportunity and it will help so many people to get a better education, a more customized education. And um, maybe we can also use this to assist disabled people better. So I see largely the benefits as usual. Someone will use it to someone's disadvantage, and that needs to be penalized. But we should not always be driven by potential negative applications and then sort of stifle innovation. I don't think that that's the answer to the problem. Excellent. Thank you. And with that, we conclude the first part of our exciting talk. Be sure to tune in to the second part as well, where Professor Dr. Patrick Klauner and I continue our talk and discuss more about the knowledge of the government of AI and AI as a helpful tool for healthcare. Michael Mack presents The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. A Mac One production.